Today's episode is brought to you by Kindred.com. Kindred partners with local churches everywhere to make smart giving a possibility with a simple tap, click, or text. It is a beautifully simple concept. I love the ability to give with my phone because it allows me to be generous even when I don't have cash on me. Uh, because let's be honest, I never have cash on me. With Kindred.com, it takes that element completely out of the equation and it unleashes generosity in your people by making it as convenient as possible to give. Here's how it works. If you want to give by text, you simply send a text to your church's giving number. And the first time, they'll reply with a secure link to register. After that first time, all you have to do is text the amount you want to give and you'll receive a confirmation. Kindred also allows you to embed a smart giving button on any page of your website, and you can set up scheduled gifts to occur on a weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly basis. So it really is user-friendly for the people in your church, and it also works on the back end as well. With their powerful tracking system and fast end-of-day transfers, Kindred works hard to make it just as easy on churches as it is for their givers. To find out more about how Kindred can help you and your church, visit kindred.com and unleash generosity in your church. For our listeners only, enter code SHEEP during sign up for your first month free. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, welcome to the Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and I am joined with Roman Gregory Johnson. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Uh, that is my real middle name, and I, I don't love it, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, I do, I'm just kidding. I do love my middle name. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a wonderful day here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jared, how's the weather in Boston today? It's really cold. Stop asking that question. You know I hate it when it's this cold, especially when it's like 70 in Tulsa. It's glorious. Glorious. It's a little bit gusty, though. Uh, a little bit gusty here on the in the Midwest. Now, some of you may know this. Some of you may not. Roman is a professional DJ, as I once was uh, back in my earlier days. But Roman is still a professional DJ. Uh, I, I, I've been to more weddings than than I would like to admit. Uh, probably over a hundred. I don't know. I'd say it's closer to a couple hundred. I could be wrong, but you've done a hey, lot of weddings and All birthday weddings. parties and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and any other mitzvahs that are out there. Um, you know, Roman did a wedding recently though that was outside that yes. was very very windy. Very. We're talking windy. winds. We're talking high speed winds of up to. Is 40 miles an hour that is that a wind speed? I don't know, but it was it was so windy. Tables were blowing over. Everyone here's what here's this is the crazy thing. Everyone went inside, and I stayed outside. <laughs> I put a speaker inside, but I had to control everything from outside. So I was DJing to nobody, uh, to a crowd of nobody, and everybody was inside. They were dancing on the inside. So I had to rely on my keen DJ uh, prowess. experience, prowess, and I had to control the party, of which I could not see. And so it was a challenge, uh, to say the least. But all that to say, if you maybe if you live in a tropical area that it's beautiful, and you're like looking to get married, and you want a DJ that you'd pay, you'd be willing to pay exorbitant amounts of money to to fly out and DJ your wedding. <laughs> you give me a call, and I will be there. And uh, it's got it's got to be all inclusive. Did you did you just plug your DJ business on this podcast? <laughs> I did. I did. That's, Definitely. Did. <laughs> I respect you for that, sir. That is not where I was headed with that at all. But kudos to you. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's so funny that you'd ask the question that if, if 40 miles per hour was a wind speed, 
No, I mean, like, is that a ridiculously high wind speed or is that kind of normal? I don't know. No, I, like, I could. That could. It could that be could, like a hundred miles an hour, and maybe I would think that was maybe normal. Well, I don't know anything about wind speed. I'm not a meteorologist. <laughs> Roman, the meteorologist Johnson. Uh, Roman, 100 miles an hour of wind is like F5 tornado hurricane <laughs> winds. Uh, 40 miles so an 40 hour miles, is some pretty good pretty wind speed. So maybe I was right. Maybe it was about 40 miles an hour. It was knocking tables over. You know, however much we keep saying this is an, a, a podcast <laughs> not about the weather, and yet every time we talk about the stinking weather. It's because we don't have anything else to talk oh, about. Oh, that is so unfortunate. <laughs> Does that just mean we're getting old? No. Yes. <laughs> How about those Cavaliers? What? Le- don't, I don't even know. talk about LeBron James. I have a LeBron James story that will make your toes curl. I can't stand that turkey. And it involves Roman. Oh, Roman and I both and LeBron James. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into it right now because I'm already getting mad just thinking about yeah, it. I maybe do, we'll talk about it on the outro. I do not like LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron, if you're out there listening, you're a turkey. You denied me a picture, and I haven't forgot it yet. He's definitely not listening. You, you never know. Sure. He, hey, we inspire leaders to get better. He he may need to get better. Uh, <laughs> folks, this is episode 58 of the Leadership Podcast, formerly the Creative Sheep Podcast. It's still brought to you by creativesheep.org, but we wanted to be a, a more true representation of what this podcast really is. Uh, we talk a lot about leadership. We talk a lot about the arts. We talk a lot about creativity, and really creativity and, and, uh, and leadership are both problem-solving. Our goal is to help you to get to the next level in your leadership, uh, whether that's at home, at work, or even just leading yourself. And so uh, we We've got uh, 57 episodes that precede this one. I would encourage you to check out our library. Uh, You can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, And we've got a phenomenal interview for you today. Yet another interview with the one and only Roman Johnson. Uh, Roman, you interviewed Brad Stapley of Liquid Church in New Jersey. Tell us about that. I did. I did. But his name is not Brad. It is actually Ben. Gummit. (laughs) Dang it. I'm so sorry, Ben. I did not mean to to slaughter your name. I even have it right here in front of me as Ben, and I said it wrong. My sincerest of apologies. It's all right, Jeremiah. You're doing great. Okay. <laughs> so yes, I I talked to to Ben Stapley, and uh, he's a I believe it's it's a creative director, creative pastor at Liquid Church. Is that is that the title there? A creative arts director, I think, was his title, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, so he's over worship, video, and church online, uh, according to him, and uh, doing an awesome job uh, from what from what he's talking about. And he gave me a few. We talked about his team, talked about how he manages his team. Uh, just a few pointers that I wrote down that were really really good uh, is uh, give greater opportunity for failures. Uh, that's one thing that mm. he encourages his team to do. Uh, give particular praise instead of just saying, "Hey, Jimmy." You're really doing a great job. Give particular praise. Say, hey, Jimmy, remember, you remember that video this weekend? You killed it. It was amazing. It made me cry. That was a good one. And then also, this is one that I really loved and it was really actually kind of surprising, was encourage a side hustle. Not only allow mm. a side hustle, but encourage a side hustle. That's, that, that means like a business outside of, or like a side business outside of what, what his team is doing throughout the week because they can sharpen their skills. They can take greater risks uh, on those projects and it's going to bleed over into their uh, work throughout the week. So that's just a little bit of what we got into. So I'm really excited to uh, let everyone listen to this conversation with Ben Stapley. Ben, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Great to be here. 
Hey, okay, so for those who maybe aren't familiar with your work, give us a little backstory on yourself and the path that led you to where you are today. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. I got a chance to come out of high school, had an interest to go to Bible school, and then just to full-time vocational ministry, and also a desire to be a film director. And I found uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago had a uh, BA in video communications, and it was the best of both worlds for me. So I had a chance to get my BA in that. And then coming out of that, uh, I was a Canadian citizen, so I got a, kind of got kicked out of the country after my green card expired and went up to Toronto to uh, report and produce for a television station up there in Toronto for a number of years. Uh, when I was doing that, I was actually doing a long-distance dating relationship with, uh, with my girlfriend at the time, who was in New Jersey, we got engaged. And at that point, it was your country or mine, so we paper, rock, scissored, and I lost. Um, uh, we decided <laughs> to move down to the States, and for us to both move down here. And this was, uh, at the time, this was about 12 years ago. So at the time, uh, anyone with a um, communications, media, um, uh, almost any artistic field in the church was kind of a real outliner. And a lot of churches didn't have a position set aside for somebody with those skill sets. And at the time, my wife said, um, I don't think my church knows this, um, but I think they would really benefit from someone with your production, media, communication skill set, and would help them advance uh, the kingdom of God if you were able to come up that. So why don't you, uh, you pitch yourself and see how that goes. And I did that at Seth Ridge Community Church in Clinton, New Jersey, for about 10 years, and it was great, a great experience to be there to help them expand what they're doing. Um, and that was for a 10-year period. For the past last year, for the past year, I've been the uh, creative arts pastor at Liquid Church in New Jersey. Uh, our mission is to saturate the state with the gospel of Christ, and we have currently six campuses and about 3,500 people attending on a weekend. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, I, just to jump back a little bit, uh, you, did, did, you, did you actually play paper, rock, scissors uh, to, in order to determine where you would live long term? <laughs> I, I take some creative liberties with the story at that point. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess that would have been super awesome. Um, okay, so so tell me a little bit about the team that you lead then uh, now at Liquid Church. So yeah, under that that, that title, right? That's a that's a broad umbrella. What does that mean as a creative arts pastor? And it can mean different things for different churches. And for me, it means overseeing the video department, worship department, church online experience, and kind of our overall service experience. So those are the four big uh, buckets of oversight that I, I oversee. Very cool. So, so how is your how is your team structured as far as uh, the, the people on your team? Do you have volunteers in the mix? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So within the video department, we have uh, two and a half uh, two and a half guys on staff, and then a um, a nice uh, range of volunteers that they lead as well. Uh, within the worship department, we have a we have a worship director. And then we have worship leaders at each of our campuses as well. Uh, for Church Online, it's myself and a number of volunteers that oversee that ministry. Volunteers in terms of the on-camera hosting, the live chat hosting, prayer support, um, uh, groups model as well. So that's, that's highly volunteer-based. Yeah. And then uh, service programming, I just got a chance to lock arms with a lot of other people and make that happen. Awesome. So I, I know I, a lot of churches face this. I know I've faced this. With, with volunteers specifically. Um, so with like your video team, do you have volunteers mm-hmm. coming up 
uh, to, to your office during the week to, to help edit? Like, did they just jump in on shoots? What are some of maybe some, some insights or challenges you've faced specifically with, with non-paid, um, you know, people jumping in and helping out on a volunteer basis, or maybe you can give some, just some practical things that you've done to, to help grow that side of things. Yeah. And this is the nice thing about, um, the nice thing about video is you can, whether your church is, you know, 500 people or 5,000 people or 50 people, wherever you are, it's you're usually able to be able to find somebody in your community, someone in your congregation that has that skill set that would love to volunteer their time and to participate. Oftentimes I've found that the arts in general are an underutilized target audience within the church. You know, you have a lot of artists, hey, I don't want to necessarily change diapers. I don't want to do an overnight with junior hires. I, I'm not good <laughs> at leading a group. I guess I can't serve in a church. And that's just a real um, dissatisfying taste, a dissatisfying taste in my mouth, that we haven't done a better job of engaging artists kind of at a, at a large scale within the church. And so for us, um, um, to pull in videographers, hey, someone's good at shooting, someone's good at editing, someone's good at producing, they can do the full package. Uh, we can pull you in on a range of projects. And sometimes people come on location with us because they're working during the day and we they, uh, they can't do that. Sometimes people, hey, I can't go on location, but I can edit a project because you can me the raw footage. Some people can take it from start to finish. So the nice thing with videography, very collaborative. There's a range of roles. So because of that, you can get a lot of people engaged, um, and it doesn't need to be cookie-cutter. It doesn't need to be one-size-fits-all. And so anyone out there who's looking to develop that team, I would start there. Who are the people that you have? Uh, what's their capacity? And then go from there. A lot of churches kind of mess that up. Where they'll say, we need to have this end product. You know, now we need to find that person. And sometimes you don't. Where if you start with, who are the people that God has blessed us with that um, need to release their gift set in this church setting? Um, and then what can we do with that? You're going to have a much better experience and you're going to be a lot more pro- productive that way if you start with the people, not with the product. Well, I really like that approach. It's about it's about people, not about the product. I really, really like that. Um, so so you, got, you got worship, you got video, you got church online, you're managing all these things. Uh, I'd be curious. I love to hear this side of things too. What what's what challenges are you currently facing with with you with your team? Are there any challenges that you can kind of talk about that you're working through? Yeah. So in terms of like the creative arts at large, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will relate to this. Um, if they are the the creative, I'm making I'm kind of managing and facilitating these requests, or if they're a lead pastor or executive pastor, who are the ones who are, who are making the request, is the, you've got limited resources. And oftentimes in the church setting, you, you have you have the dual factor of the limited resources, and then you have um, you have high passion and high desire. So you have all these ministries, all these departments wanting their thing to succeed and to be awesome, and then you have limited resources to pull that off. So the biggest thing, the biggest um, tension that you're always going to manage is how do you cut up that pie? Making sure that first of all you you know how you cut it up and everyone's on the same page. Because if you don't do that, if you don't say, "Hey, children's ministry, you're going to get 25 percent of you know our our effort here," and worship department, you're only going to get five percent, then you're ultimately going to have those departments compete against each other, and you'll spend a lot of sideways energy as an organization if you don't have that clarity. So always striving for that clarity, communicating communicating that clarity is an ongoing role. Anybody in the creative arts. So you're not you're not necessarily talking just about budget, uh, about you know money wise splitting up between different departments. W- were you just saying that that you guys 
will communicate how much of your guys's time and energy goes towards a specific department. Is that what I was? Is that clear? Yes, and that's something we're still working on. I, 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 uh, I'm not speaking from someone who's cracked this mess, but from someone who's learning it as right. I go through the process. That yeah, having and it, some people get really granular. Like you can go and um, we know that we have a gold package for communication, which involves a bumper video and a graphic and these Facebook banner ads, and we have a silver package that looks like that. You're like, that's one way to structure it. Another way is to just kind of roughly say, hey, you know what? Percent of time or percent of the organization's resources, be it um, dollars, um, staff time, volunteers that we try to pull in, because you know volunteers are a limited resource. You only have sure. people can only be pulled in so many directions. And if someone's serving in kids ministry, then they're probably not going to serve on the worship team. People are usually going to serve on one team, and that's it. Because I'm attending church, I'm maybe going to a group, I'm maybe serving. I'm probably not going to serve in two different ministries, and so. Knowing if you have those big chunks between your departments, your organization, within your organization, how much kind of quote unquote resources are we collectively as a church going to throw at that this year? And if we differ, you know, we might have a group synthesis this year, and if that's going to bump up, then we're going to have some other things to bump down accordingly. So I would at least try that to get started with. If we could say percentage wise, how much does each department get? in terms of our organizational resources. And if you can get clarity towards that, like you know, say you're 90% of the way there. Uh, and then beyond that, if you want to get more granular in terms of dollars and cents and particular hours, that, you know, you can do that. But just having that ownership up front in terms of that pie and how it's sliced up, that really helps everybody. That's good. And and so we talked, we talked challenges a little bit. How about we flip it? What has been maybe your biggest win in the last few months with your team? Yeah, the uh, one of the wins that we have uh, really experienced is getting a lot of volunteers on board. So we did that at the video department over about the past six months, where it used to be every project that came out the door was staff-run. And our producers was able to catch the vision for them that, hey, in this role, you can keep producing, and with your 40 hours towards that, you can produce you know, two videos in the course of a week. If you change your mindset and become a producer slash manager, you're still working on production, but you're also managing volunteers underneath you. Same amount of time, if you're able to change that mindset and how you manage your time, you're managing others, not just yourself. Um, I know we're going to be able to get four videos at the door. And was able to catch that vision. The team caught it. We implemented it. And we've, um, I don't know if I would say we doubled the amount of work we've been able to do, but we drastically increased it. And um, beyond beyond getting content out the door, uh, we've been able to pull people in, use the unique way that they're wired, and advance the kingdom of God. And so, for me, it's a triple win. Yeah, that's we're more awesome. productive. People are using their skill sets, and God's being proclaimed to, to a greater uh, greater degree. So uh, that's been a huge win for us. That's fantastic. Have you found uh, it difficult to? Kind of, you talked about some maybe your video guys or, or artists on your team. Have you found it difficult to transition them, for for them to transition from being the ones who are always creating to now managing? Uh, I know they're still they're still creating, but it's it's a lot of times in a different way. Has that been a challenge for you? It's been a challenge. Uh, I think it, 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 it's not. You know, it wasn't intuitive. I think part of the challenge was some of the guys are younger. You know, we had a number of incredibly talented millennials and staff. And so you have like, hey, I know you're a 25-year-old 
and I want you to now lead this 45-year-old man who is who might even be a better producer than you because he does this full-time and he's been doing it longer. Right. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, and so I think that's, there's a challenge there. How do I lead someone who's older even better than me? Uh, and just because you're the one making decisions doesn't mean you're the, the, the most talented one around the table. And that's okay. And so leading them through that tension and, and saying you're still making the decisions, even though you might be working with people older or more talented than you, uh, is, is one of the tensions. The other one, too, is to realize when um, what's the baseline skill set we need to work with somebody. In other words, um, we're, we are a... Uh, we're still a church that's ministering to people. We can't play the role of being a school that is training people. Right. Uh, yep. If, if we do, we're just taking our eye off the ball on the mission that we're called to do. And that, and that can become easy. But a lot of the guys have hearts to do that. Hey, they've all been trained by someone else. They want to pass on what they've learned. But we need a baseline in any artistic field that we need to come to the table with these skill sets. Uh, if you don't, if you don't have them, that's fine. Here are the tutorial videos you need to watch. <laughs> right. right. You know, it's not a no, and you're off the team, no face. It's a not yet. Here's the work you need to do to get ready for us to work with you. We can't wait to, to, to partner with you three months in a row. Come back at us when you're ready. So that, that's been a learning lesson, too, a challenge for us that, hey, we need some of those, uh, we need those baselines, and then we need the resources in place so that we can keep people moving along that pipeline instead of just say, uh, they'll come back actually back to us and you a four year you know uh, degree in school. That's not that's not a win either. So that's been a learning curve. Well, that's really good. Um, so you mentioned. So one of the things on this podcast, we love to get super practical. We love practical steps for people. Uh, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned um, that you have maybe a twenty five year old who is uh, who is leading a forty five year old. You know who's maybe is doing this full time as a career. I would be curious. Maybe you can provide a like this is a sample of if it's, let's say you're that 25 year old and you're you're going to this 45 year old who has a career who's who gets paid probably pretty good amounts of money to do this and you're going to go ask them to do this for free uh for for the church they go to for your ministry what's that conversation look like uh how, how would you how would you pitch this um for ultimate buy-in i mean just take us through that a little bit yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's a great question for anybody. How do you tax vision for anyone who's doing something professionally to do it on a volunteer basis? Uh, well, one of the things we always do is we, we lead with vision. So here's the vision of the project. This is why we think it's going to have a, an internal impact. It's going to change and transform lives. And a lot of times, that is our calling card. That's the ace of our sleeves that we can play right away. Because if you're working in a corporate environment, sometimes the there is no grander vision of making a dollar. Right. Um, or sometimes the, the vision is even maybe a little corrosive that, um, that the, the content I'm putting out there, um, maybe, you know, it has a, a detrimental effect <laughs> on the world. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's my job, but it's, I, you know, I'm not entirely, I know it's not, um, it's not making the world a better place. Um, it's just selling more, you know, uh, flavored sugar water and then <laughs> right. drinking a, a Coke at the end of the day. <laughs> and so you know, it's that, it's that argument that the job is made, right? right? Like how, do, how are you going to make a dent in the universe? Um, and he was able to bring people on staff to, to Apple who would take a less uh, lucrative career because, oh, I'm coming to this company to make a dent in the universe. I'm going to make a positive impact in the world. 
And I'm not just going to make another widget, another product out there, that these products are actually being beneficial. So that's the first thing I would say is you gotta you got to lead with that. Uh, and the next thing I always tell people is we want to respect your time and your talents. In other words, we're not going to pull you onto a product um, and an, uh, an experience that A, doesn't go anywhere, and B, doesn't kind of highlight your experiences. So if your talent and your caliber is, is an A+, we're going to feed you A-plus projects and not give you a C project. In other words, we're not going to give you a video that never makes the light of day. You think, man, I spent all this time volunteering, and they never used any of my B-roll because they didn't do it. So we... When we pull in volunteers, it's because we know that this is going to have a kingdom impact. It's not a project that we're working on. It's not a experience that um, we still don't know if it's going to get airtime. It is, and that's the other thing. So it's we um, you're going to have that positive impact. It's going to be a high caliber project, and it's also going to have distribution. And here it is: your video will be played in the service. Your graphic will live on our website. Your um, your tweet will reach these many people. So just letting the the, the content uh, producer know what the effects of their efforts are. I think, okay, that's great. I know what I'm doing and how it's going to impact lives. Wow, that's really good stuff. Um, so we've been we've talked a lot about you know you have specific projects uh, that your team works on. I would be curious to know: uh, has there ever been a project that your team you know took on that didn't go as planned or didn't turn out the way you want? <laughs> No, they are all wonderful. How dare you ask such a question? Yeah, so yeah, so something a lesson learned for us is um, we do a lot of I say a lot, maybe we do it um, monthly or maybe like twice um, twice a month. We'll do we'll try to incorporate um, stories into our message time. So hey, um, the message is talking, you know, calling people towards some type of life transformation, and we want to illustrate that. Um, video format is a strong way to do that. It's an effective way to do that. And so we'll try to capture those stories. Now, the the problem sometimes can be if your your teaching pastor is envisioning their message to kind of land a particular way, mm-hmm. and then they call for a story that lands that particular way. Now, that it works perfectly when they both stay aligned. We kind of call it story alignment. That the story the, the teaching pastor is looking to tell is a story we capture on video. Now, we lose story alignment when one of those gets offline. It's either the teaching pastor's message kind of takes a left turn and it no longer applies, or the story you go to capture isn't the story that you thought it was and you don't have alignment. So that's been a, um, that's been a problem we've experienced a couple times where uh, ultimately we went and produced something, we showed it, and it's, ah, that no longer works, either because the message moved or because of the, the testimony video moves. So, so things haven't seen the light of day. The way we corrected that is just spending more time in the pre-production and making sure that we track between the teaching pastor, the producer of the video, and the subject of the video, all being on the same page as to what the story is all about. And we try to sum that up in two to three sentences. This is the story we're telling. You know, teaching pastor, does that work for you? Yes. Um, uh, subject, is that your story? Is that what you're going to tell us when we, you know, when we record you? Yes. Okay, producer, in the edit, you know you need to capture a story, a two, three, four-minute story that ultimately conveys those three to four sentences that we've all been on, on agreement on. So, yeah, some things haven't hit the, the light of day because of that, and obviously we need to work around it. And so we spend more time in our pre-production to get story alignment. So if, if let's say you have 
something that doesn't quite hit. Do you have, I mean, there's a weekend coming every weekend, obviously. Do you have some sort of evaluation period? Do you always talk about, did that work? Did that not work? Or do you just kind of say, uh, we're just going to move on to the next thing? Yeah, so what, what, um, one of the beautiful things that we do here at Liquid Church that I really felt beneficial, and I haven't seen in any other church settings that I've been in, is we'll run through the full message midweek uh, with all the creative assets. So um, we will, the, the, the two teaching pastors, Tim Lucas and Nathan Thompson, will um, they'll have their manuscript, the 20-page manuscript, that they're pretty much preaching from word from word. And we will go through that, and there will be a team that listens to that and gives feedback. And not just a rubber stamp, but you know what? I think that, I think that, that you know, that the 18th point you had was maybe a bit too many. Can we scale it back to 17? <laughs> uh, we're, that, you know, exaggeration. We don't we don't do that here, but we'll speak into those things. Or you know what that um, that cultural reference is a little dated. I don't know if that's going to work for us, especially if we're trying to attract you know younger people. We'll so we'll look at the message. We'll go through the graphics, um, all the graphics that we're pulling up for very visually styled teaching here. Um, the testimony video we'll play in the midst of that um, that which will usually happen on Thursday night. At that time, we'll critique it. Does it be short and lightened? Is a, a complete lemon and no longer works with the story because we lost story alignment at some point. So yeah, at that point we will we'll make all those changes. We'll, we'll call out all those changes. We'll give the marching orders to our creative teams on that Friday and then put it to bed so that everybody has Saturday off and we come in Sunday morning knowing we have all our assets ready to go and everyone's pleased with them. So it sounds like it sounds like uh, on your team. I mean, across the board, you got to have some pretty thick skin there because, uh, I mean, if you're, that's, that's a vulnerable thing to, even as a teaching pastor to read, you know, to whoever's in the room, read your whole message and then open it up and say, okay, give me some feedback. Give me some critique. That's really interesting. Did it take a while? I mean, did, did was that like an overnight thing? Oh, this is like, uh, we're doing this tomorrow and then everyone was, I mean, was there like some friction there? I'm just curious how that, that culture kind of has been created. You know what? Our our um, our lead pastor and our, kind of like our founding pastor, Tim Lucas, uh, has an educational background. And I think some of that comes from that, where he's always, he's always been teaching and he always wants to be taught. And so that idea that I can always get better is, is ingrained into who he is and ingrained in our culture here. Now, granted, um, it's a select few people of kind of trusted advisors around that table. Uh, the whole staff isn't there. And ultimately, whoever's teaching has kind of veto rights. I'm like, hey, thanks for that feedback. Um, I disagree, and I'm going to go kind of my route here. But, um, it, you know, there, there, it isn't a contentious time at all. And um, most importantly, the teaching pastors appreciate it because and I've, been, I've, I've taught before, preached, um, if you preach and someone comes up to you after your message and says, wow, that was a really great message. By the way, that one comment you meant was a little racist. I don't know if I would say that again. <laughs> you would much rather hear that feedback before Sunday morning. Where most, you know, I'd say, like, gosh, probably like 99% of pastors do that, right? Yeah. They'll spend 20 hours, 30 hours on a message, whatever it might be. They'll go and execute it. And then their staff will either do one or two things. They'll either give them that feedback that, that, that didn't work, you shouldn't have done it, which is too little too late at that point. Um, or they will rubber stamp it. Great job, Pastor. Really enjoyed it. Really ministered to my heart. And they won't give them honest feedback. Either way, um, the, the end product, the end experience, wasn't as good as it could have been. As 
statistically wasn't good as it could have been because there's there's um, there's a thinness there that I'm not going to let anyone you know speak into my manuscript or it's this holy moment between me and the Holy Spirit and no one else is allowed into it and there's I can't speak you know seek counsel from anyone and I just think those are all red herrings and it's no screen as to a either um, a uh, uh, kind of bad time management where this is all happening Saturday night or <laughs> right. a thin skinness that, you know what, I don't want anyone telling me that my jokes, uh, that the joke I keep telling, uh, you know, uh, Sunday after Sunday is getting played out. And I don't want to hear that. So either way, I think that for a lead pastor, you know, hey, we all got to step up and, and grow. And I, I encourage everybody, every communicator, where, whatever setting you're in, is to have a strong feedback. Um, not a feedback loop, but an input. You know, feedback is after that, right? Feedback. Hey, that was good, that was bad. Not feedback, but input loop before you execute. Uh, get review, get input on the product. So it's going to be awesome. That's good. Do you, uh, all that is really, really good stuff. Uh, do you find it challenging leading up? Like what, maybe what are some, that this, this is kind of a little rabbit trail, but what are some insights you can give? Maybe maybe someone is, is leading a team and they aren't the primary decision maker and maybe mm. maybe their lead pastor isn't asking for that feedback um, mm-hmm. And maybe they find it difficult. Maybe they are sitting through those jokes that <laughs> aren't landing every Sunday, and uh, yeah. uh, and maybe they they have some ideas, but they feel like they might step on his toes. Like, h- how would you? What, what are some practical things that you would say to that person? Yeah, I, I'd say like I'm sure anybody starting off in their career, especially if like they're working in ministry, and they sometimes you can get like a little overlap between like, is this professional development? Is this like? Is this just a spiritual thing and I can't speak into it because they have the pastoral title and I, you know, I can't give any honest feedback here. Um, so there's, there's always going to be um, like a confidence issue that's going to kind of take you some time to feel your yourself and be confident and be able to give that feedback. I think one of the game changers for me to be able to lead up better was to, um, to, to, to realize that good leaders also want to be led well. So, if you're hopefully your 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 leader, your leadership there, your your, your leadership team, your teaching pastor, whatever you know, even if you're in a non-church environment, whatever your, your environment is, good leaders will want to be led well. Hopefully, you you have a great leader leading you, um, but if it, even if they're mediocre, uh, they're they're going to want mediocre lead. You know, they're going to want to be led uh, mediocre as well. And so I always try to remind myself that great leaders want to be led, and so speak into that, acknowledge that, and help lead them better. Um, before you do that, a practical su- su- suggestion would be make sure that they know you're on their side. And so the best way to do that is to give your praise publicly. In public, you just champion, oh, that joke was hilarious. In your staff meeting, uh, if everyone is there, but privately, come alongside and say, you know what? It was hilarious, but I think it's played out. I think we can retire that joke and give your, your critique privately because we all have a hard time receiving constructive criticism even more in a group setting. That's even harder to do. So if you haven't established that yet, don't do not do it in a group setting where, if you haven't done it privately first. Start individually. Start with that. And let them know, I'm here to support you. I have your back. I want to see you excel in your position. And that's why I'm giving you a suggestion. But I think it can be done, it's done good. I think it can be done great with some small tweaks. And that's why I'm giving you my feedback. Um, the story I kind of remember hearing uh, Bill Heibel said, and this kind of it was a game changer for me, where he said, uh, I think he said, oh, I, um, I'm always surprised about how many times I walk to my car by myself. 
And here he is, a great leader, saying, everybody knows I leave at 5 o'clock. I'm like, I'm like a watch. I'm leaving my office. I'm going to my car. It's a five-minute walk. And I'm surprised how many times I walk by myself. If someone isn't saying, hey, as you walk, <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. five minutes of your time and bend your ear and get your, your input on something, give you input on something to take the time to lead up towards you. And so um, even if you don't have those structured times that we don't, you know, I don't meet by lead past 101, find those times, demonstrate uh, motivation and, and a little bit of gumption to say, I'm going to take this time here. Now, I, I probably want to mosey up to sign someone in the bathroom urinal or bathroom stall. You've got to come take the time. <laughs> but, you know, take those opportunities and make those opportunities to lead up as well. Uh, any good leader is going to be inspired by that. And, you know, and, and I'd say receptive to that as well. Man, that's really good. I, I, I love what you said there. Good leaders want to be led well. That is really, really solid. Uh, so, to kind of take this this leadership turn here a little bit more, you you talk about leading artists, and obviously mm-hmm. you're leading you know you're leading artists every day. Do you approach leading artists differently than leading non artists? I uh, I approach them the same way, and then kind of add another artistic layer on that. So uh, everyone wants to be led well. Artists want to be led well. So like, you know the basic. Leadership principles will apply to them. I'd say there's probably a couple extra ones that apply to them as well, and uh, that I've kind of let, learned over the, the years. Um, one of them is to um, to give greater opportunities for failure. So um, in the arts, sometimes your best work comes, your best successes come from a number of failures, and so giving them the opportunity to fail, but then you know when it's safe to fail, um, crafting time to fail. Hey, you know, give me. Um, Give me five designs. Uh, four of them are probably going to stink, but like, let's land on one. And that's okay that if this takes a number of revisions for us to get there, giving them that opportunity to fail ha- uh, helps any artist. Um, that's on the front end, right, before a project gets worked on. On the back end, you have to give particular praise. So uh, and the reason an artist, a communicator, puts their work out there is because they want it to be received. And if they go week after week creating a graphic, uh, writing new music, designing the website, and they don't get any feedback from you as a leader, they don't get any particular praise, they're, to them, that's deafening. Uh, I put myself out here. How is it received? Can you can you give me some praise? And the reason I also say particular praise is because the, the, the pat on the back, you're doing a good job, doesn't mean much to an artist. Um, they want to know you actually paid attention to the art. They want to know that you actually looked at it and experienced it. And so if you're a leader, even if, it's not, even if you're not skilled in that discipline, even if you're not a film buff, you know, hey, like I noticed you did that whole thing in black and white, and it was really stark, and I, I don't know why you chose to do that, but it, it made the story pop out more when you use that, that color of the red dress uh, and maybe really focus on that. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I don't know all the, the thought behind it, but whatever you did, it worked really well, and I appreciate that. You can, you can give particular praise even if you don't know much about the discipline, and artists, artists appreciate that. You don't need to kind of be uh, an, an, an art house film snob to give feedback, to give praise. And so those are the two things, two of the things I'd say, give them opportunity to fail, uh, give them a particular praise. And this is a, this is a challenging one. I'd say um, allow a side hustle. Allow a side hustle. The oh, really? That's really interesting. You normally yeah. don't hear that. Uh... But yeah, dive into that a little bit. What, what, what's the, the thought process behind that? 
and I might even go farther than quote unquote allowing the side hustle. <laughs> like you are allowed to be a wedding videographer on your days off. Like that's that's first of all, that's like a little controlling in my sense. Like, <laughs> I'm it. allowing you. Uh, like so, I, I usually say encourage the side hustle because this is this is the reason. Um, if you artists don't turn it off, it's not a nine to five gig. Their mind works, creativity flows all the time when they wake up. So when they go to sleep, even when they're not asleep, when, 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 they're, when they're not awake, when they're asleep, they wake up with ideas. Yeah, I had this incredible dream. I never thought about those two concepts together. Like, they're in the shower creating. Uh, it's on the whole time. And if you try to pretend that it's off, um, A, you're not going to interact with them the way they're wired, first of all. Um, B, you're not going to um, benefit from some of the side work that they're going to do. Because as they professionally develop uh, with their time off, uh, that's going to have dividends and that's going to help their skill set in their work environment as well. They're going to they're going to network. They're going to build relationships. Most of our volunteer videographers have come off our, uh, our, our videographers doing wedding work. And they shoot a wedding with a friend. And they say, hey, by the way, I also go to, I work at this church. If you ever wanted to join me on a project, and we, we have... We have uh, a lot of our artistic volunteers have come through these side hustles just because of people naturally network. Um, and then the biggest thing I'd say is, is in relationship to that is if, if you quote unquote disallow a side hustle and if that is either officially stated or unofficially because you kind of like you mention it and you talk down about it, then uh, those people are going to move. They're going to leave your organization. Right. They're going to either go to a church that does that or they're just going to make their side hustle permanent. And say, why am I working at this church, uh, in which I, you know, spend a couple hours on my weekend? I do this, and it's papooed, it's discouraged. Uh, when I could be making more money outside the church doing this full time. Okay, fine, I'll move on. So, um, if you allow a side hustle, if you encourage a side hustle, you're going to retain those people because they want to be in your environment longer. They want to work for you longer. So that's, um, I think that's a key one. Now, with that, is the caveat is, hey, you're working. And are you executing? Are you producing what you need to do within your work time? And just keep it, for me, uh, a really helpful thing is to keep those things distinguished. Hey, when you're working, you're working. And when you're doing your side hustle, you're doing your side hustle. Those are both great, but let's not have them overlap because then it gets fuzzy and then it creates some suspicion in me in terms of how you're actually doing your work or you just doing your side hustle. So that's one of the things that I, uh, I try to apply for myself and the artist I lead. But let's just keep that, very, that distinction very clear. And so there's no doubt about it. And we can champion both. That's really good. I, I would say just in my own personal experience, e even you talk about side hustle, uh, it, it, that implies that you're doing something for money. I would say too, to take it even a step past that, to do things just for fun. Um, because projects just for fun, if you're working on a, you know, a video that you're just making with your, with your friends, you're going to take more risks with that. Yep. You're going to take yep. more liberties and you're probably going to learn more. Uh, because you're willing to put yourself out there and willing to fail because there's really not, you know, <laughs> there's not, the stakes aren't very high. I think I've, mm -hmm. I've probably learned more, I don't say more, but maybe I've learned a ton through just projects for fun, um, just through the years than, than, than about anything else. Would you agree with that? Yeah. That, and having that fun time in there, so it's not all like bottom line and you know, it's for a dollar or it's for a client. Uh, definitely. And I'll even like, you know, champion that when I see stuff on people's social media feeds and like, this is a goofy video or a goofy photo we took, like, oh, that's, 
That is totally awesome because that's, again, it's not just totally awesome because, oh, you're going to bring that back into our culture and we're going to have, like, we're going to organizationally win from that, that, which is true. But more importantly, that is who they are. And I do not want to clamp down on the God-given DNA that they've been given and try to forge it into my nine-to-five thing and, uh, and, and to, like, really squelch their personality and the, the kind of calling on their life that God's placed on them. That's so good. This this has been there's been some I'm taking notes. I mean, I'm my my little my little hands are smoking from all the notes I'm taking. This is so good. Um I, I want to shift gears for just the last 5 minutes or so. Uh if we can fit into 5 minutes and talk a little bit about brainstorming. Uh because you know, it's corporately in the church, creative work everywhere we hear the term brainstorming, and I think a lot of times um people have trouble really defining what it is. They just think anytime you're thinking up ideas is, is, is a brainstorm. Um, wh- what do you, how do you approach brainstorming? Um, I, I first approach it as a holy moment that if you ask me, like, it's funny, we were talking about this as a staff before, kind of, you know, Hey, how do you connect to God the most? You know, do you go on nature walks and do you, uh, do you like to crank, you know, worship music? Like what, what is it? You know, do you like, do you like to read, you know, commentaries and like really geek out and like read, like what, what, brings you closest to God. And for me, um, I don't know if there's a more holy moment for me than a brainstorm session. And I look at it this way, that you're, you're, you're standing in front of that whiteboard and it's completely blank. Uh, and by the end of the process, it's going to be filled with beautiful, creative, innovative ideas that you're able to take action on. And it's so tied toward the creative process that we see in Genesis 1, where out of nothing... God creates, and he brings forth everything in front of us here. And we get a chance to kind of step in those footsteps and be co-creators with him, and on a micro scale, uh, be a part of that creative process, and kind of be small C creators. Uh, to me, that is, I take it as a holy moment, that, man, Holy Spirit, show up here. Uh, you're wired this way. Would you be in this room? Let those ideas come forth. And... Uh, I get, I just get, I'm going to jazz talking about it. I'm really going to do a brainstorming one right now. I can tell, uh, I can tell. This is good. <laughs> so that's that's uh, one of the ways. Now, like, beyond that, there's a lot of practical things, right? Like people want to want to hear. And I find, um, I like to communicate the scope beforehand. The reason I do that is because a lot of people like to, uh, myself, like to shoot the hip. You put a, a dry erase board in front of me, you put a topic, and I'm ready to go. But a lot of creatives aren't that way. Some people like to, some people, um, I say, are you a sniper or are you a machine gunner? I'm a machine gunner. Um, I like to shoot around and I'll find my target as I'm shooting. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's fire, ready, aim. Other people are wired to be snipers. They want to ready, aim, fire. They don't want to, they want to think about the idea, um, ruminate on it, draft it out, and then propose it to the team. And they don't want to shoot from the hip. They don't want to be a... So you got to communicate the scope beforehand for, the, for your people who are snipers. They need time to think, to process ideas before they present it to a team. Because they want to present their polished product. They want to present their A idea. They don't want to present it as a C and as they're talking, kind of developing it into a B and hopefully get it to an A in front of the team. So that's the one thing. Is communicate the scope beforehand for your snipers. The other one is I like to think aspirationally before practically. Sometimes you start a brainstorming process with, okay, everybody, we um, have Easter coming up. We can only spend 
$1,000 in the advertising market, go. What are your ideas? Right away, you put tight guardrails on the system and the experience, and everyone's thinking, well, we only have $1,000, so I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this. Um, this is what we can do. And you said you said a lot of no's up front. Um, I like to think aspirationally, hey, what could we do? Um, and then I also find as we do that, we think aspirationally, you'll find a way to make it practical. You'll find a way to make that aspirational, that, that home run idea work practically because everyone's excited about it. Um, communicate the scope, think aspirationally before practically. Um, and the other one I always do with people is I acknowledge the, the nine one rule. Nine of your ideas are going to suck and one's going to be good. So that's okay. Uh, let's just call it out. Yeah. And that takes, that takes away the pressure. It's and liberating. I will be on calling it. I'll lead by example. And I'll say, here are some terrible ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll show, share all my dead ideas with everybody. So it takes the whole pressure out of the room and lets everyone to kind of say that stupid thing that they're afraid of. But you have to say the stupid thing before you get to the good thing. So I just I acknowledge it up front. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of stupid ideas. That's okay. Let's Let's get them going right now. Man, there's some really, really practical stuff. If you're listening to this, I hope you're taking notes, uh, especially if you're if you're leading brainstorming sessions of any kind. Um, man, that's so good. The, the worst thing you, you can do is set up a bunch of no's right at the beginning. Uh, you wanna you wanna open it up. You wanna you wanna set the scope and uh, think aspirationally before practically. Some of that stuff, man, that's that's really really solid. Uh, well, we're we're just about out of time here. Um, but if it's okay with you, Ben, I'd like to uh, dive into a little segment we call Rapid Fire. Let's do it. Okay, so basically what Rapid Fire is, is we're going to fire off some questions to you. You haven't seen these yet. Uh, these are just get-to-know-you questions. These are pretty fun. So you just got to shoot from the hip and uh, just come up with the first thing that comes to your mind here. So number one is this. Uh, what is your go-to guilty pleasure movie? Uh, uh, I like um, science fiction and I don't uh, it's it's, uh, I love the Westworld series so far. I've been enjoying that. Television is not movie, but that's been uh, been a go-to for me over the past couple of months. Was that Westworld? Yeah, Westworld. Okay, I, I haven't I haven't checked that out, but I've, I I mean, people seem to be raving about it. Um, yeah. Okay. It's a, okay. It's a little kind of R-rated, but it's. Uh, is it? I mean, but it, would you consider that a guilty pleasure? If because if everyone's into it. I'm talking like, I mean, you got, do you watch like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? You got any movies like that that are just like, you, oh, you're ashamed? Oh. oh, for me, my guilty pleasure is disaster film. Like 2012, like I'm going to see the earth rip in two, <laughs> and that big tidal wave hit everybody. Oh yeah, that has like no cinematic, like that's very like low art form. Yeah. But I watch those all the time, yeah. So it's yeah. like the really kind of, kind of huge special effects uh, yeah, just show me the volcano. Explosion. Maybe some transformers, happen. some transformers in there. <laughs> no, no, I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh, okay, number two is uh, who would you love to have coffee with, uh, dead or alive? Anybody? Mm. Uh, I mentioned Jobs before. I think he was very influential as a communicator and as an innovator. Uh, yeah, I would love to talk to, to Steve Jobs. Yeah, have, have you read his book? Or, I mean, he didn't write it, yeah. but the, the Walter Isaacson. Yeah, I haven't seen either of the movies yet. I'm kind of holding off on those right now, but um, I would, man. Yeah. The, the the most recent one that came out, uh, I think it was just called Steve Jobs. Um, was was that, was that with Ashton Kutcher? No, that was um, it was with uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. I'll, I'll remember it later. The guy from uh, Magneto uh, from uh, from X Men. Yeah, I was thinking the Alien movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same guy, same guy, same yeah. guy. Um, 
but yeah, that it was really, really good. The score for that movie was really good too. Um, I'll sometimes I'll just put on the score um, and just yeah play it while I work. It's really, really good. Uh, so you should check it out. Um, okay, next next question is this: What is your favorite nonfiction book? Nonfiction. Um, I've enjoyed in this. I have only a bookshelf. I actually come back to it, and so I can say I actually enjoyed it. But uh, Neil Postman's uh, "Entertaining or Amusing Yourself to Death." I think it's "Entertaining Yourself to Death." But it was, I think it was written in the 70s. And he was, like, at the time saying, we're just becoming a culture more and more that we just want to, um, like, you know, back in Rome's day, just give us the gladiatorial fights and we don't want to pay attention to any of the cultural problems. We'll entertain ourselves to death. And, man, he was a very prophetic voice there, right, if you look at um, social media feeds and our ability to disengage from reality and just entertain ourselves. I'm going to have to check that out. I've never even heard of that book. Yeah, yeah, and like you'll you'll be surprised when you look at the uh, the authorship date. Like, wait, 1977 or whatever the date was. Like, <laughs> had a, had wow, a strong pulse on culture. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so how about fiction? Fiction book. Oh, I don't read as much, <laughs> uh, but I uh, I remember I really like Flannery O'Connor's works. I can't think of a title right now, but um, she's a great author, and yeah, very nice. I don't know. I don't even know who that is, so I'm maybe maybe I'm uh, not very cultured. <laughs> okay, here's the last. This is our last rapid fire question. Um, mm-hmm. What podcast are you in the middle of right now? Let me. You know what? We're on the phone right now. I'll make this legit. I'm pulling up the app. Okay. Okay. I have. This is legit. You don't get more legit than this. I know. This is uh, this I'm is half- rapid fire. I am halfway through um, on the media great podcast about news gatherers examining the state of the news gathering business which is fascinating now in our culture of fake news um, don't want to get too political on the podcast but <laughs> they do a great job of saying hey how, what's the state of the industry and uh, people's ability to access information truthfully or not Okay, cool. I'll, I, yeah, I've never listened to that one. Is that is that because you into that because maybe you have a you have a background? You used to be. Did, were you a reporter ever? Like, were you on screen reporting yep. the news? Yeah, reporting and producing the back uh, past. And I think, and I have a my family has a strong kind of um, truth telling strike to it. Like, we'll we'll call it the emperor has no clothes. So it's a that's a bit of part of me as well. Um, <laughs> just you know, call him a spade for a spade. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Man, Ben, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, I mean, I, I, I took a ton of notes. I know that uh, our listeners got a lot out of this. If, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can check me out at benstapley.info or you can email me at benstapley at gmail.com. Awesome. Ben, thanks so much for joining us on the Leadership Podcast. Roman, it was great to be here with you. Folks, thanks so much for listening to the Leadership Podcast in this episode with Ben Stapley. Once again, Ben, I apologize for calling you Brad. Uh, But hey, really appreciate it. Loved what you had to say about encouraging your team to have a side hustle. In fact... Roman, you uh, this is your side hustle. You work full-time at Church on the Move as the creative director in the kids' ministry, and Creative Sheep is uh, is your side hustle. It definitely is, and I, I absolutely agree with everything that Ben said. Uh, things I've learned through uh, doing Creative Sheep have totally, totally helped me with the my gig throughout the week. So um, I am totally on board with this guy, Ben. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, as always, you can connect with us online on the social medias. 
uh, at creative underscore sheep. We tend to find ourselves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, that's at creative underscore sheep. You can hit us up there. And, uh, you know, if you if you feel so inclined to leave a review or to share this with your friends, we'd sure appreciate it. And you can always shoot us an email. You can hit me up at jared at creativesheep.org. Again, that's jared, J-A-R-E-D, at creativesheep.org. want to say thanks again for listening. We've got another great episode coming at you next Monday. So check it out. We'll see you all next time. Farewell. Farewell.